You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Amen. Let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians, and we are in our long series here now. I think this is part 23, and uh, we're going to look at uh, some of God's, God's thoughts from God's book. Amen. So tonight, we're going to continue on in this uh, chapter, uh, and now we come back to the issue. He's revisiting the issue here of the gifts of the Spirit. And we had looked at that uh, in detail in chapter number 12. And then Paul takes a necessary uh, departure from that to talk about the uh, supremacy of love. And we talked about that last week, or charity, how charity is the greatest thing. And that that's the point of all things. And it doesn't matter. He starts out, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels and have not charity, have not loved, I am nothing. And uh, wow, what a powerful word that was. What a powerful word that is. And uh, I recommended a great book, The Greatest Thing in the World by Henry Drummond, an old classic that I try to revisit every few years. If you've never read that, go reread that Um or read that, that that takes this chapter and really uh, uh, just puts it, puts it in a pointed word for us all. But tonight we're coming to chapter number 14 now, and uh, we are going to, he, he goes back and he looks here at this issue of the gifts of the Spirit, but with particular focus, he's going to look at the gift of tongues and interpretation in this chapter. So in our outline, and I don't know if they have the outline there, if we look at the outline, the next points or segments that we're going to cover tonight would be the gift of tongues in the first 12 verses and the gift of interpretation uh, in, in, in the next 13 verses. And then the chapter closes out with this concept, really the main takeaway here that, that Paul is trying to tell the Corinthian church of how God is the author of peace. And this powerful statement he gives, God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. And that's that's a little phrase, one phrase in verse 33, that I have highlighted and underlined and circled and memorized and invoke that in a lot of issues that I'm dealing with throughout life and ministry. Sometimes when I encounter things, it's a good thing to start with, well, God is not the author of confusion. So if we are in a confusing state, or if we're in a confusing place, or if we're dealing with something that is confusing, well, then the reason is because uh, it's not because of God, because God is not the author of confusion. When God does things, he doesn't leave us confused. But when we get involved, when we mess things up, well, there's a whole lot of confusion that's going on. So we're going to look at this, but we need to pray. We need to ask the Holy Ghost to help us here together tonight. So I wonder if you could do that right with me, right where you're sitting. Can we pray? And I, and I love this epistle. We're taking our time to walk through here slowly because we don't want to be confused about things. And there are, there are some uh, confusing parts. We could confess and admit there have been some confusing parts 
to this letter. And so it takes time for us to pause now, and especially to some of the subjects that this letter addresses, there's been confusion over that. And sometimes that's just us learning. Amen. I quiz my son when we come home from school. <clears throat> I did it again today. And I ask him, he's, he, he goes to a private school and I say, okay, son, did you learn today? And he, he's in first grade, by the way. And he'll say, yes, I learned. Okay. Okay. Are, are you ready? Are you ready for a test? And he says, well, no, dad, I'm not supposed to take a test. I said, no, I'm giving you a test because we're paying all this money to put you in a good school. Are you ready for the test? And he said, okay, what? I said, okay, I want you to spell ostentatious. Dad. So I tease him a little bit. So he doesn't know how to do that. I can't spell that. I'm only in first grade. Sometimes the reason why we don't know things is because we haven't arrived there yet or we're not mature enough yet. So I'll give him a second chance and I'll say, okay, spell discombobulated. But he doesn't, he doesn't, he said, that's not even a word. He doesn't even know it's a word. So yeah, so, so we can't be expected to know things that we haven't matured to yet. And we can't expect other people around us to know things maybe that they haven't matured to yet. So that's okay. That doesn't, that doesn't disqualify us or disqualify. Aren't you thankful that doesn't disqualify us? From the grace and the touch of the Lord, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord, the peace and the mercy that God puts in our life. Amen. But we do want to mature and we do want to study to show ourselves approved. We do want to learn. And so to this confusion, to this is why Paul would write this letter. That's why this letter is given to us. All right. So <clears throat> he talked about the gifts of the Spirit. We talked about nine gifts of the Spirit in chapter number 12. And then he talked about the supremacy of love, how if you will just love people, you will get to the point of the gifts of the Spirit. You can just cut through it right there to what God is trying to work in our life. Because when, when love works in us perfectly, well, then the perfect will of God has taken place. Amen. But of course, we haven't done that. So we need the help of the Holy Ghost. And we need the help of the gifts of the Spirit to help us at times. Because as we talked about Sunday, sometimes even spiritual people, godly people, righteous people don't have great faith. Amen. So we need help. We need help. We need discernment. We need gifts of healing. We need miracles. We need word of faith. We need word of knowledge. We need these things in our life. We need tongues and interpretation. So now he's going to talk about that as he had addressed already, but he's going to talk about this. So let's go. Chapter 14, verse number one. Follow after charity. Yes. And desire spiritual gifts. Yes. But rather that ye may prophesy. All right. So he sets up the whole following, and he is fulfilling now, if you will, a verse that was given at the end of chapter 12. Now, in chapter 13, he talks about love. And so now he's starting this, and he says, follow after charity, follow after love, after the love of God. We know uh, from John that God is love. We know that this is, uh, God is absolute love. And if you've been around a while, you remember the absolute series that we did. And one of the, the, the eighth attribute that we talked about was the love of God, God being love himself. He alone is absolute love because God as the eternal being is the only being that ever, that ever first loved. 
because we are as creation, we have received the love of God first. So we can never first love like God first love. We can love in response to the love of God that God has given to us because he sought fit to create us. He sought fit to, to make us in his image that we can know him. And so God is absolute love. And so he's saying, follow after this. So the essence, you want to s- summarize God? Well, there's a lot of things we could say. The angels cry, holy, holy, holy. But if we were to summarize God, love, God is love. Maybe that's why the world is so after perversion, perverting this word love. And the word love has been misidentified, mis- misinterpreted, to become something that is not what what God ever intended it to be or what God ever is. Amen? Amen. Anybody ever sick to your stomach with some of the things that you see perpetrated as love in this world? Come on. It's sickening. it's, It's debilitating what you see the world say. This is love. Well, no, it's not love. You're watching the atrocities that are going on around other parts of the world. Do you know that people justify, people aren't just doing this. People aren't just waking up and saying, well, let's go be as evil as we can. Now, some people do that. There are people that can be possessed, that can come to that. But there are people that justify why they are doing this. They have a they have a rationale that they have built, that they ascribe to. It's the same thing. And the world perverts everything that God is. So what Paul is saying is follow after charity. Follow after love. The love of God, God, follow after the love of God. The purpose, the purpose and the whole essence of who God is and desire spiritual gifts. These two are not contrary one to another. Paul did not do away with spiritual gifts by saying that love was the supreme thing. No, he says, you follow after love. And if you're going to follow after love, you're going to desire spiritual gifts. Why? Because spiritual gifts will accomplish something that you and I can never accomplish. Amen? Amen. To achieve the end of working the love of God fully in you and in me. Amen. And in those that are unbelievers. So, So we need the gifts of the Spirit in operation in the church. We need the gifts of the Spirit in operation within the body of Christ. And we've already talked about those. If you're just coming in on this, you may miss you may have missed some things. You need to go back to the, a, couple, a couple lessons ago, which I don't even ask me when that was. That was several weeks back. And, and look at chapter 12, where he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit, these things that are given to us, gifts of healing, uh, uh, miracles, uh, uh, tongues and interpretation, uh, 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 giftings that we have here. There's, there's, there's more prophecy. These things are useful for us, the gifts of discerning, of the spirits. We need this. This works to help us achieve the purpose that God has in our life. So we follow after this and we desire spiritual gifts. But then look at what he says here at the end of the, read the last phrase of verse number one. But rather that ye may prophesy. But rather that ye may prophesy. Now, is he saying that prophecy, prophesying is better than charity or better than the spiritual gifts? No. He's letting us know something here. And I want to propose to you a word, amen, that he uses elsewhere. And this word would be edify. 
If you were going to write down a word of what Paul is saying here in verse number one, it's edify. So follow after love. Desire spiritual gifts. And remember, he's in this vein. He started this vein of corporate worship, of how they are to worship when they are in corporate worship, how they are to behave. And he, he went all the way back to talking about how they did communion, how, how they dressed, how they appeared in their corporate worship. Everything was for the edification of one another. And we're still in the same vein, this still line of thought of Paul teaching us that we ought to edify one another, seek to strengthen one another, seek to minister to one another, encourage one another. So follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but don't just seek to be in the love of God, but not have any edification or to have spiritual gifts, but not have any edification. Let this be something that edifies the body. Now, we have to sort of presume or try to figure out what Paul is addressing here because Paul is writing a letter in response to their questions and to their problems in the church, and we know that. And so Paul is addressing an issue, and he goes at length here, and we can surmise, good estimate here, that there was chaos in the church, we've talked about it on all the other fronts, but there was chaos in the church when it came to spiritual gifts. And with this chapter, he's going to talk about tongues and interpretation, and, and the chapter speaks for itself largely, but, but we can surmise that there was a lot of spiritual gifts going on, people being used by the Spirit, but they were, and he's going to, he's going to let us know this, that when you are used of the Spirit in the gifts— you, as a human being, give agency to the gift being in operation, meaning the gift can operate in you and you can either quench it or you can yield to it and flow with it. You can quench the gifting of the Spirit. God can prompt something in you and, and, and you can feel what he's saying and you not operate in it because you stop it or you shut it off. Well, the same is true God can move on you and you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit where you don't, you don't know your place and you don't shut it off and you take a little extra. Nobody's going to help me preach now. And now you're, 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 you know, you're just <clears throat> flowing in the gift of gab or the gift of the gift of obvi the obvious or whatever else. And so this was the issues that they were having in the church. I want, he says this because if you go back to, let's go back to chapter 12, and I want us to read verse 31. But covet earnestly the best gifts. Okay, so first of all, he says, covet earnestly the best gifts after he gives us nine gifts. Well, what's the best gift? Well, note he didn't say the best gift. He said the best gifts, plural. He's making a statement here, and I propose to you then that the best gift was the intent, to, the gift that edifies, the gift that edifies. And then he goes on and says, and yet I show you a more excellent way. What's a more excellent way than the gifts in the spirit? Well, that is love. That's charity. So here in 14.1, he has given us the summary of both love, 
of the excellent way and the gift, best gifts. And he's saying, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you prophesy. Real quick, we'll skip ahead. And I, I'm going to cheat here and I'm going to skip ahead to verse 12. Read verse 12 of chapter 14. Even so ye. Yes. For as much as you're zealous of spiritual gifts. You're zealous of spiritual gifts. Yes. Seek that ye may excel. Seek that ye may excel what? To the edifying of the church. To the edifying of the church. So Paul is really important here. Don't just let you, the gifts of the spirit be in operation uh, in your life, <coughs> but in a way that they don't edify the church. And he's going to talk about confusion later on. They were using the gifts of the Spirit to cause confusion in the church. We'll talk about that. Okay, skip ahead. What is the, uh, uh, go on to, to verse number 39. Wherefore, brethren, yes, covet to prophesy, yes, and forbid not to speak with tongues. Okay, so he goes on, and in this tongues and interpretation, he says covet to prophesy. And we're going to look at that. What is he saying there? Well, he's saying covet that that your that you can give a message of interpretation that people can understand what is taking place. Don't just let the Holy Ghost be moving in you. And he literally says, and people walk in and say, these people are just crazy. Now they may be crazy, and there may be that may be their initial response. But don't just allow people to come in and say that. Let there be an understanding. Let there be an explanation that's going on. So I took too much time there. Uh, to set that up, but we're going to read on. So now I wanted to lay the base. I want you to have the under the, the 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 foundation here of what he's saying because most of this chapter is going to speak for itself. Let's walk through it if we can. So so he says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. All right, read on verse two. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. All right. So now he's talking about the gift of tongues. So when you are speaking in an unknown tongue or when you're speaking in tongues, if you will, no man understands you. No one knows what you're saying, uh, uh, but God understands what you're saying. We know there's a powerful verse that says that the spirit maketh intercession for us. How many know when you're praying? And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost takes over. You yield to that. because, And I've learned to yield to that in prayer because sometimes I don't even know what I need. <laughs> Have you ever been in a place where you know you need something, but you don't, you're, so, you're so messed up, you don't even know what you need? Come on. God, help. I don't even know what I need, but help. And the Bible says that the Spirit will make intercession for us. So I pray, okay, Lord, whatever, whatever it is, you know, you know, I'm going to pray. I'll leave it unto you. Okay. So, but, but no man understandeth, but in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. Now that's not mystery, mysteries we don't know, but that's not unknown to God. God knows what he's doing. Read verse three. But he that prophesieth, yes, speaketh unto men to edification. Yes. And exhortation. Yes. And comfort. All right. So here he's going, the gift of prophecy. Now in that gift of prophecy, there, there is, uh, as spoken in, in uh, verse or in chapter 12, the gift of prophecy is not just uh, someone coming and speaking something uh, as in, okay, thus saith the Lord, this is what God is speaking to me and saying. Now it can be, absolutely can be. Uh, it also can be, as we have seen, when a, when a message in tongues are given, there is a, a message of interpretation 
that comes with that and arrest our attention to let us know that God is speaking to this local gathered assembly in this moment, no matter how many, God is speaking to us and arrest our attention. You have our attention, Lord, and we wait. What is it that you were saying? And 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 the message will be given to us in that moment. Amen. Uh, but but here he's saying, he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and to exhortation and to comfort. Amen. There's a lot that goes on in prophecy when you're preaching, when you are foretelling or forthtelling the word of God. So read on in verse four. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue yes. edifieth himself. Yes. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. All right. So so if I speak in, if I'm if I'm up here speaking in tongues, well, I'm edifying myself. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord is moving on me in this moment. I'm yielding to the Holy Ghost, and the Lord is speaking through me, praying things I don't even know. Amen. But there's a a holy inter, intercession that's taking place. Amen. But it's not helping you. I mean, other than the fact that you could say, oh. He's in the presence of God. Or wow, the spirit of the Lord is moving on him. That's wonderful. That it's, I mean, it's good to know, right? How many, how many are thankful that your pastor moves uh, or yields to the Holy Ghost sometimes? Like, that's a good thing, right? I mean, turn to your spouse and say, I'm thankful that you, you know, it's a good thing, you know, that you speak in tongues. Nobody did that right now. Amen. I mean, maybe you need to tell your... You're, no, don't, don't tell your spouse, maybe you need to speak in tongues more. Don't tell them that. But it doesn't edify someone else. But when you prophesy, when you're prophesying, even now tonight, we're teaching the word of God. Teaching the word of God edifies and strengthens. Okay? So, so read verse 5. I would that you all speak with tongues. Okay, so let, let's stop right there. What's Paul's desire? Paul's says, I would that you all speak with tongues. Evidently, they all didn't. <laughs> Paul, Paul does have a little bit of tongue-in-cheek in here, a little bit of humor in here too. But he's making the point, I would, my will, y'all speak in tongues. Everyone speak in tongues. Yes, that's the plan. That's the prayer. That's the desire. My prayer for you is that you walk with God in such a way that you are not held beneath, amen, the liberty and the moving of the Holy Ghost. That, that ought to be, that, I'll tell you as pastor, that's every, that ought to be every pastor's prayer. Yeah. That's my prayer. That's my desire for you. In fact, um, th that would, that's a good rule of thumb. Whenever we sit down to talk about problems, have you prayed through? And it's really quiet tonight. I don't know. Am I doing really bad tonight? Is this? It's... Amen. You ought to pray through. The old timers had a phrase, praying through. And what they meant was you pray through the heaviness, the pride, whatever. You pray through that until you get a break in the spirit where the Holy Ghost moves freely on you and flows through you. Amen. So pray through. Sometimes in my life, I know, you know what? I I, I don't I don't need I, I don't need another piece of cheesecake. I don't need another day off. Now, who wouldn't love another piece of cheesecake and a day off? I don't need another vacation. I just need to pray through. Yeah. Is everybody awake tonight? Is this all right tonight? Okay, I, I, I just, I'm I'm not offended. I'm not offended. I'm glad that you're listening so well. Thank you. 
but I want to make sure that you understand this. This is a good rule of thumb to acknowledge. I have to identify this in myself. This is spiritual maturity. When you can identify in yourself what I need, I need to pray through. I need to get alone with God. I need to get to a place where the Holy Ghost is moving inside of me. And sometimes it's, I got to get, sometimes that means I got to get back to church. I got to get in there for me as a kid. I got to get in there. I got to get on the front row. I got to worship. I've got to go to the altar. I got to praise God. I've got to magnify the Lord. I've got to let the Holy Ghost move in my life because what I need is I need to pray through. And guess what? When you pray through, isn't it amazing what the Holy Ghost will do for you? When you pray through, when the anointing of God, anybody know what I'm talking about? Do I have any Pentecostals in here that understand what I'm about? You come to the altar, you pray wherever it is. Maybe you're not even in church. Maybe you're not even in the altar. Maybe you're at home. Maybe you're at the office. Maybe you're in the garage. Maybe you're at the kitchen. Praise God. Maybe you're taking a shower. I don't know. But you just cry out. You get to that place where you are desperate and it's you by yourself. God, I need you. I need you in my life. And all of a sudden the Holy Ghost comes in when the power of God moves in your heart or or you know what I'm talking about. You come to church and man, it's just a mighty move of God at that service. I mean, all service. We, we know God is at every service. We know he's there all the time. We know he moves all the time, but sometimes there are services where they are more pronounced than others, where there's just a connection, where we just feel it in the Holy Ghost and we're drawn to it. And maybe, maybe every, sometimes that happens other times uh, 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 and everybody else feels it or other people feel it. Sometimes it's just for us. It was just me. It was just for me. I walked in and all of a sudden, man, it was like there was something that just God just hooked, hooked up an IV to me. And I feel that when you pray through, amen, all of a sudden, ever, everything's not as bad as it seems. You know, the things that I was complaining about, I'm not really complaining about anymore. You know what? And, and all of a sudden, can I get a witness? The marriage is better. And, and, and the family's better and everything else is better. Amen. I've, I, 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 I think sometimes we just need to pray through. We need to press through to that. Amen. We need the Holy Ghost in our hearts. So, so that is for us personally. That's not what Paul's talking about. I don't even know why I'm talking about this tonight, other than the fact that I believe somebody here tonight needs to hear the word, just pray through. This is not in my notes. Turn to somebody and say, you just need to pray through. Now let them tell it to you. Come on. Come on, tell them I need, tell me, tell me, I need, I need to hear that. I need to pray through. Amen. I need, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Pastor ought to pray through every day, multiple times a day. Amen. Amen. We need the Holy Ghost in our life. The Spirit of God in our life. Okay. So Paul says, I would that you all speak with tongues. So note, he is not diminishing this. He says, this is my will for you. This is my desire for you. Paul is not diminishing this. All right, but go on. What does he say? But rather that yes, you prophesied. That you prophesy. Okay, what is he talking about in the content? He's talking about in corporate worship. He's talking about when we assemble ourselves together. Does that mean when Paul, is that as Paul saying, when we come together and we sing and we worship, should we quench the spirit? No, we don't quench the spirit when the Holy Ghost moves. But this is talking about, go on, read. Here. For, for greater 
is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues. All right. Except he interpret. Yes. That the church may receive edifying. All right. All right. So it's one thing for me to pray in the Holy Ghost when the Holy Ghost begins to move on me and I begin to speak in tongues. It's another thing for me to take the microphone yeah. and stand up here and start speaking in tongues. Amen. So I, I, I do this, you'll, you'll notice that I do this. Um, if, if I'm preaching or if I'm praying at the end of service or wherever, if I'm up here, if I'm praying and the Holy Ghost is moving on me, I will turn my microphone on because it's not for me to stand here. That's, that's for me. That's between me and God. You don't need to hear me speak in tongues. Yes, that's not for edifying. I'm not going to stand up here and hold a microphone. You ever see somebody up there holding a microphone and speaking in tongues? Well, bless God, bless them. Amen. But that doesn't help me. You know, they, that's, that's not, we're not supposed to do that. What, what am I trying to do? Am I trying to show you how spiritual I am? Yeah. Amen. Right. Amen. Right. If I have to get on YouTube to convince you that I'm spiritual, then I'm missing, I'm missing it somewhere. Right. Yeah. Right. To show you how, no, that's something I do. I, I know when God's moved to me, but when I speak publicly, and this is what he's talking about in the corporate worship, when we speak, we speak to edify, we speak to encourage, we speak to comfort, we speak that people may understand. And that's why he says, he says, it's greater that he prophesies, speak the word of God, than he that speaketh in tongues, except he interpret. So he says, okay, when do we take pause? When do we take pause when somebody is speaking in tongues and we stop? Well, it's when there is a message given in tongues. And we've seen that. We experience that. When there is a message in tongues, there is a pausing. Okay. It arrests our attention. And we know God is trying to speak to us. And we listen. And you, you can feel that. There, there will be, as people refer to it, this isn't Bible, but people refer to it as holy hush. You will not find that in your concordance. Holy hush is not in your concordance. But that's what people refer to it as the spirit moves in that moment. It's like there's a heart. It's like, it's like there's something in the, in the atmosphere that understands the Lord is speaking here. And, and then we pray that there be an interpretation. And Paul says that the church may receive edifying. Read on. Now, brethren, yes, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, all right, what shall I profit you? Exactly. What's it going to profit you? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation, yes, or by knowledge, yes, or by prophesying, yes, or by doctrine. Right. So if I'm coming to you and all I'm doing, this is what I just said, is speaking in tongues, you don't get anything out of it. But if I come with revelation that God has given me or doctrine or knowledge, he's put a word of knowledge in my heart or, or something like that, that I come to speak to you. Amen. Well, then the Lord... Amen. Well, then it's edifying. Go on, read in verse seven. And even things without life, yes, sound, yes, whether pipe or harp, right, except they give a distinction in the sounds, right. How shall it be known what is piped or harped? Okay. For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So Paul uses two examples here. He says, first of all, he said, yeah, yeah, there's noise being made, but th there's no, not that noise does it translate to anything unless unless there is an interpretation? So it's like a children that'll hop on the piano out in the foyer and they'll just turn on something and they're playing. You hear, ah, 
on, on, on. Well, well, I don't know what they're playing. They're just, you know, and then it's, and then they'll switch it to bubbles inevitably and they start playing bubbles. It doesn't, it's sound, it's noise, but it doesn't mean anything. Whereas when somebody, I don't even have to be in the room, but when somebody else sits down and all of a sudden they start playing a melody, Ah, now, now there's something. Even if I don't know the song, I understand there's a melody. There's something here. There's, there's a rhythm. There's a message. There's an interpretation that's taking place. Same thing with battle. He said with trumpeteers, they would play different, uh, uh, they would play different things to, uh, signal advance, signal retreat, signal, uh, stand, signal whatever, you know, charge, whatever. They would play certain things and people would know that you play a certain sound. Well, the trumpet didn't just, trumpeteer didn't just get up and give the same sound every time. Uh, well, that doesn't tell anything. That doesn't tell anybody. But when there was a certain sound, all of a sudden now there was a call to action. And so if we come the same thing, if we come and we're just speaking in tongues, well, okay, I know that you and God are having this conversation. You don't know what's going on, but the Lord's, but if there's a, if there's an edification, if there's a word of knowledge, all right, now I know what to do because the Lord is speaking. Now I know how to receive this. This is a word of comfort. This is something, direction that God is giving to me. And now it is edified. So Paul literally is using this example. You have people gathering around, they're hearing just noise. But when you play a melody, ah, now the people can follow in. You have an army that's laying about. Trumpet just plays noise. But if they'll play a certain sound, now that army can be moved together into battle. This is the same way with the church. So read on. So likewise you. Yes. Except you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood. Yes. How shall it be known what is spoken. Right. For you shall speak into the air. Right. So you could just be uttering things we don't even know. Read on. He's going to give this example here. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, yes. and none of them is without signification. All right. So by voices, he's talking here about uh, um, uh, languages here, if you will. There's a lot of them. None of them was without significant, uh, significance. They all here uh, have significance. Read on. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, mm -hmm. I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Right. So if we don't speak the same language, we're uttering things, but it doesn't even have any kind of uh, knowledge here. We, we can't communicate here. It's just noise. Read on. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts. Right. Seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. So they were having issues in the church, evidently, where they're coming, and all they're doing is they're just trying to convince one another of how spiritual they are, and and everybody wanted to give a message in tongues. And so you've got message in tongues, message in, well, I want to give a message in tongues, well, I want to give a message in tongues. And you have all this going on, and it's taking all the time, and you're wearing people out, and all this is doing is convincing people that maybe you have the Holy Ghost. Maybe you have the Holy Ghost. And there's no edifying yeah. and they're going home and they're living. They're not, they're not encouraged. Isn't it horrible when you come to church and you're not encouraged? All right. Amen. It's getting late. Let's read on. Verse 13. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. All right, Paul's going to give a specific instruction here. We're going to we're going to go through this rather quickly here. This is the next point in our outline: the gift of interpretation here. So, him that prayeth in an unknown tongue, pray that he may interpret. So, God says, "Look, don't just pray that you can give a message in tongues when you feel that unction, but pray that God gives you the interpretation here." All right, read on. 
For if I pray in an unknown tongue, yes. my spirit prayeth, yes. but my understanding is unfruitful. All right, so Paul gives us a powerful thing. This is important. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit is praying. My spirit can be edified. I'm going to feel better, but my understanding is not changed. All right? What is it then? So let's pause for a moment here. So when you speak in tongues, something happens in your spirit. Something happens within you. I will, uh, uh, he said, if I pray, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. I'm going to tell you this right here. This is why it's as important that you read your Bible as you speak in tongues. Because you show me people that can speak in tongues a lot, but don't read their Bible. And I'll show you people that have a lot of wacky theologies. And if, because if you don't have the interpretation or if you don't have anything to check your interpretation with, you can get a lot of bad interpretations and people come up with a bunch of crazy stuff. All right. Yeah. That's why there's Pentecostals that handle snakes. Right. Read out. Read out. Well, right. I wasn't trying to be funny there, but it is, it is, it's, it's funny until you get bit. But you get a lot of crazy theologies. So the word of God is what we, that's the measure of every interpretation is the word of God. Yeah. You cannot have tongues and interpretation and an interpretation be anything, anything that is contrary right. to scripture. Yeah. Now we don't make light of this, amen, because the gifts are sovereign. These are something powerful, but... We have, if you've been around church long enough in Pentecostal circles, we, we've seen well-meaning people that sometimes you just leave there, bless, you leave there with a blessed Lord and you let God work it out. Amen. Amen. All right, read on. What is it then? What is it? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. Yes. I will sing with the Spirit. Yes. And I will sing with the understanding yes. also. Yes, yes. Read on. Else when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at the giving of thanks? Right. Seeing, so if I, yeah, go on. Seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest. Yeah. So I wouldn't go to the un, un, unlearned or the unbeliever and just stand up. If somebody asked me as a pastor of Christ the King Apostolic Church to attend something here and uh, because I'm the pastor, sometimes I you, you go to certain events or certain uh, things and they ask you to speak as a community leader, faith community leader, or you're at a funeral, or you're at a place. I'm not going to walk up there and just start speaking in tongues. Now, I may pray in my car before I walk in, and I may pray in the Holy Ghost and let the Holy Ghost baptize me, that God give me wisdom and discernment and power. But I'm just going to walk in there and speak, because what does that edify them? How can they say amen to that? Amen. So Peter on the day of Pentecost, he didn't, when they come around, he didn't stand there speaking tongues to them. No, he starts speaking to them, and he starts preaching the Word of God. How else? What must we do to be saved? Well, he, he didn't just speak in tongues with them. He told them he had to speak clearly the word of God. Amen. All right. So let's read on. For thou verily givest thanks well. Yes. But the other is not edified. Amen. So when you pray, you start, when I, when I go to the restaurant, amen, and you start praying over the food and you thank God for it, sometimes it's, you know, it's more passionate than others, but you don't have to stand up and speak in tongues at the restaurant and let everybody hear you. 
That's, that's not what that is. You can take, this is a, you can take the food, bless it. Lord, we bless this food. We thank you for your provision. You're the provider of everything. Bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everybody's edified. Everybody's ready to eat, right? <laughs> Amen. Read on. I thank my God. I yes. speak with tongues more than you all. There it is again. Paul's humor. <laughs> How did he know that he spoke in tongues more than them all? Well, <laughs> he could tell. <laughs> <laughs> I used to preach a message while I was evangelizing, and the title was, Your Testimony is Telling on You. All right. Paul wrote to them and he said, when I come to you, I'm going to come with you in, with, with power. He said, I'm going, to, I'm going to see. You're all puffed up. Well, let's see. Let's see where your, what, what your testimony is really saying. It's telling on you. All right, read on. Yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding. Yes, yes, that, yes. That by my voice, I might teach others also. Yes. Then 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. All right. All right. Now I want to make, I want to make a, a, a disclaimer here. This is important for us to know that the gift of tongues that Paul is talking about here, he's talking about the gift of tongues and interpretation. And then he's talking about when the spirit moves, praying in tongues, not doing that uh, as something, just standing up in front of people and speaking in tongues. The gift of tongues here is different from the initial sign of the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the initial evidence. Jesus said, um, uh, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, so shall it be of them. Amen. That received the Spirit. He spoke that. He prophesied that on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 and 4. It said, and they all, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In Acts chapter 10, it was a distinction that they, the Holy Ghost fell on them uh, uh, and they began to speak with tongues. And, and, and Peter literally says, well, if you go to it in Acts chapter 10, you don't have to turn there. I'm just turning there. And 44, he says, while we yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. And they of the circumcision, which believe were astonished as many as came to Peter, because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, see, there it is. Verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered, uh, 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 if you go to verse 11, uh, chapter 11 and verse 15, where he's telling them, uh, is that right? Yeah, chapter 11 and verse 15. He said, and as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. So Paul, uh, Peter verified that. Not only does Luke say it, but he verified that they began to speak with tongues. That's a distinction here. All right, so read on. Here in verse 20. Brethren, be yes. not children in understanding. Be not children or be not immature is what he's saying. In your understanding, all right? Howbeit in malice be children. All right, in evil, in malice be children. Be, be immature. Be, be, be un, uh, don't have great understanding in the things of evil, all right? Yes. But in understanding be men. But in understanding be men. There's This is important. Amen. Amen. You've got to have understanding here. Edification. All right. Verse 21. In the law it is written, yes. with men of other tongues yes. and other lips will I speak unto this people. Yes. And yet for all that will they 
And for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. For all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. He is quoting Isaiah chapter number 28, verses 11 and 12, which was a prophecy. Well, Isaiah talked about it. The Assyrians came and the Assyrians spoke foreign languages to the children of Israel. And, and they would not hear. They wouldn't hear God through a prophet speaking Hebrew. So God said, I'm going to bring another tongue. So the Assyrians come and they spoke to the Israelites in a foreign tongue. Well, they wouldn't hear them either. And, and so he's saying, go read verse 22. Wherefore tongues are for a sign. Yes. Not to them that believe. All right. But to them that believe not. All right. So God was saying, look, God was showing them. I can speak, I can speak to you in any way. He was trying to show his presence, his word, his authority, his, his ability to speak there. And so now Paul says, when tongues come, when the spirit moves on anyone and they speak in tongues, it is for a sign, not to those that believe because they already believe, but to those that do not believe. It lets them know. It arrests their attention. There's something supernatural going on here, especially on the day of Pentecost when they heard them speak in their own language, but they looked on them and they knew these men can't speak that language. It was a sign. All right, read on. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. All right, so but when you prophesy, it's not for those that don't believe. Those that don't believe, they're not going to hear you anyways. But for those that have turned the belief to God, you have given the gift of edification. All right, you're doing that. All right, read on. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place. All right, here it is, yes. And all speak with tongues. Yes. And there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers. Right. Will they not say that you are mad? All right. So if all you're doing is speaking in tongues, and that's all that takes place, unbelievers are going to walk in and say, these people are crazy. They're out of their mind. They don't know what's going on. All right. And that was what was happening there. They were they were out of control. All right. Read on to verse 24. But if all prophesy. Yes. And there come in one that believeth not or one, yes. or one unlearned. Yes. He is convinced of all. He is judged of all. All right. He's convinced of all and he is judged of all. If someone walks in here and somebody goes over and they discern this person's going through a situation, they need the help. They need the love of God. And somebody walks up to them and somebody begins to speak the gospel, the love of God, share things. Amen. Somebody may even feel impressed to pray with them and speak something in their life. Life. They are going to know, hey, this is not just another person. I've said in a lot of dead churches, I've been in a lot of services, but I am in a place where God is speaking to me and God is through you because he's spoken to me through you. Amen. Then there's belief that there's, there's a conversion. There's the work of the Lord taking place. All right. All right. And, and he is convinced of all and he is judged of all. Read on. And thus are the secrets of his heart the made manifest. of his heart are made manifest. Yes. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God. Yes. And report that God is in you of a truth. God is in you of a truth. How many times have people come into the house of the Lord and God's put something in somebody's heart to walk over to them, to speak to them, to say something to them, to come to them? Amen. Maybe maybe that's where we need the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Too oftentimes people have the same problem the Corinthians have. They want to be used of the gifts so they can impress other people in the church. Maybe I proposed to you before that maybe the gifts of the Spirit are more for our operation out of the church than they are in the church. Because yeah. if you can walk up to somebody, Jesus, didn't Jesus do that? Well, he was God. And he walks up to the woman at the well, give me a drink. No, I, who are you? Talk to me. He said, well, go call your husband. I don't have a husband. You've said, well, you don't have a husband. 
but you've had five husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. Now, I don't propose that you go out and you find somebody and you start telling <laughs> all of their business. But God can reveal things to you. And you can walk up and say, you say something, someone, you could be somebody's answer to prayer. Amen. Yes. You could be somebody's answer to prayer. And they're going to say, okay, what's going on? What are you messing with? What's happening there? They'll test you and try you. Wow. And he said, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. Use the gifts of the spirit to help you reach somebody that's hungry, that's lost, that's hurting. And he said, so falling down on his face, he will worship God. <laughs> Notice he didn't say he will worship you. When the gifts of the spirit are in operation, people don't start worshiping you. Prophets that are trying to make followers of themselves are not prophets of Jesus. No. Because when the gifts of the Spirit operate, it should always point and reflect glory towards heaven and glory towards the Lord. Am I in the book? All right, all right. Read on. How is it then, brethren? When you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Yes. Let all things be done unto edifying. Yes. Let all things be done unto edifying. All right. So when you come, you've got all the, they were having so many contentions, so many issues. Read on real quick. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three and by the, and that by course and let one interpret. So here he's saying when the, when the message of tongues comes, it'll come. Sometimes one comes, sometimes two comes, sometimes three comes, and there's no interpretation. You're waiting for the interpretation. He said, look, don't, don't let it be any more than that. If, if it takes one or two, it's okay. If you have three, it's okay. But after three, don't, if, if there's no interpretation at that, let, let's go on with edifying. Let's go on with the reading of the word. Let's let this be done. Let it be done unto edifying. Re read on. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the there's church. no interpreter, let him keep silence. All right. And let him speak to himself and to God. All right. All right. So if you have, if you don't have an interpretation, God's given you something and there's no interpretation, don't, don't be so zealous to speak out. Because you want to pray that there's an interpretation. Read on verse 29. Let the prophets speak two or three and yes. let the other judge. And by prophets here, he's talking about those that are being used of the gifts of the spirit. He's not just talking about the preachers. He's not just talking about official position in that capacity because this is gifts given to all gifts for the body, for the edifying of the saints. So if it's there, he says, let it, uh, 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 let the prophets speak one. Uh, speak two or three and let the other judge. All right. So there is judgment. Let's, let's note this. There is judgment that is going on with this place. We ought not to just relinquish the gifts of the spirit. Somebody says, well, you can't, you can't be so critical. You're just going to, no, you can't have the gifts of the spirit operating and there not be judgment. You ought to be, if you are operating the spirit, there ought to be judgment there. Is this in line with the word of God? Is this being in order? Is this edifying? Is this under the purpose of love? Amen. I'm in the Holy Ghost. Amen. We've got to have that. All right. Read on. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by. Yes. Let the first hold his peace. Yes. Yes. So if somebody else has something, maybe you had something there, but somebody else is speaking. All right. Let, let it go. Don't let, don't let this be a competition. Okay. Let things be done decent in order. All right. This is what was going on. All right. Read on. For ye may all prophesy one by one that ye, that all may learn 
and all may be comforted. Yes, yes, yes. So this is this is what he's saying. Give order here. Give order here. All right. Read on. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. This is important. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So what he's saying is don't get up here and say, well, I can't help myself. The Holy Ghost told I can't help myself. Paul's saying, oh, yes, you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can know your place, you can know your order, and you can work because God is working through you. You have a brain, you have a body, and you can control it. Right. Don't go around and start saying, you know, I'm just out of, you know, the Holy Ghost taking over and all this stuff and I got to do this. That doesn't give you license to walk into the church service and cause corruption and cause uh, 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 or, or disruption and, and cause chaos and everything else. Some people do that. Some people feel, feel like they are the, the self-appointed anointed of God and everywhere they go, they got to right. stand up and say something and speak out or all that. Well, no, 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 no. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Yeah. Do things decent in order. All right, read on. For God is not the author of confusion. For God is not the author of confusion. Is all the ghost working? Yes, working in you, you, and you. But God is not the author of confusion. But Amen. But of peace. But of peace. Is this edifying? I Paul, so so do we want the gifts of the spirit? Absolutely. We want the gifts of the spirit. But we don't want the gifts of the spirit if it's just gonna bring a whole mess of confusion. Yeah. Right. And if it's not gonna edify. And if people are just going to walk away saying they're mad, people are going to leave. He said, no. And you don't want the gifts of the Spirit if there's no love in the center right. of it. Amen. If there's no love in operation. That's right. That's right. Amen. Just because we can come in and prophesy to one another doesn't mean that we are right with one another and that we've loved one another and that we're bearing one another's burdens. All right. Amen. So God is not the author of confusion. And I've used that so much in my life. I've quoted that in my brain. We'll, we'll pick back up here, but he's the, but he's the author of peace as in all the churches, as in all churches of the saints. Amen. Look at where I stopped. You will not want to miss next week's installment. We will begin with let your women keep silence in the churches. That is a contentious and controversial subject, and we will address that because we've got to ask, what is Paul saying here? Yeah. What is he saying? Something is being said. What is he saying? And just so that you men don't go home and start doing something that's out of order, don't forget that just a few chapters earlier, he, he, he told our women that they, how they are to appear <laughs> when they pray and prophesy in the church. All right, so we'll talk about this. We'll look at this, amen. Let's stand together, amen. God is not the author of...